everybody, you're listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. <laughs> what is happening? We haven't even started yet. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> what in the Couldn't world? Couldn't tell you if I wanted to. It was Jeez. a delayed rela- reaction. A delayed relaxion. <laughs> exactly. Andrew's had a little one too many tonight. We'll see Talking how this goes. Snoop Bog. I'm Garrett. <laughs> And again, I'm Josh. I'll say it twice. Why not? Ooh. I know. Today on the show, we're talking about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is the fourth movie in the Mission Impossible series. Uh, it's a, this, that makes it a straight month of, uh, of Mission Impossible movies, four weeks in a row. Dun, dun, and we still got dun, two more dun, after dun, this. Dun, dun, Fortunately, dun. they've gotten very good. Ghost Protocol, yeah. we're going to get into. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh-huh. I, I think too. everybody did. We also all enjoyed Mission Impossible 3 last week. Which, if you missed that, you can go back and listen to it on our SoundCloud and Apple podcast page. Which you should. Yeah. This movie stars Tom Cruise again as Ethan Hunt. Joined, uh, this is Simon Pegg's second one, right? He was in third? I can't even keep them all together anymore. Simon Pegg is Benji. Um, And then, uh, of course, you you still had a, a Ving Rhames appearance. Wasn't as wasn't Towards as uh, big as this time in their very 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 tiny Michelle Monaghan mm-hmm. appearance. Joining him though this time, I really enjoyed Jeremy Renner as uh, William Brandt. Yeah, he was super good. You know, the more I see of Jeremy Renner, the more I like him. I've always liked him, but I just I don't know. He's becoming one of my favorites now. Mm-hmm. A favorite? Yeah, a favorite. I mean, I you know I think like a lot of people didn't really start paying attention to him until he play, started playing Hawkeye in the Marvel movies. He didn't really hit my radar. I mean, he was in The Hurt Locker, which got a lot of attention. Was he Oscar-nominated for his performance in that? Yeah. Okay. That, and uh, he had a consecutive one the next year for Best Supporting Actor for The Town. Yeah. So he has two in, in two years. Yeah, and those movies were before before he joined Marvel, but I still just didn't, I don't know, he didn't really hit my radar too much until that point. He was born... Posted Damon. For yeah, one I don't. Movie. I don't know that that was one people liked, was it? I don't. I've never I don't seen them. I don't know. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I think people thought that one was weird because it was a, a bornless born. Yeah, I don't know. Or is it but Damon? this year he was in Tag and he was really funny in that. Yeah. I hear Wind River was really good with him and Elizabeth Olsen, but I haven't seen that yet. No. I don't know. I just like Jeremy Renner a lot. I was I was happy to see him in this movie. Uh, and then we also got ah, that's that's pretty much it. We'll move on from there. In this movie, Ethan and the team are trying to hunt down um, a... Uh, <laughs> Ethan Hunt. Ah, uh, see? I didn't even know I said it. There you go. <laughs> They're trying to hunt down a terrorist who has gotten a hold of the uh, Russian nuclear launch codes and oh. wants to launch them at a city yeah. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He's got to stop them before they can do that. But uh, things go haywire at the Kremlin... When a bomb goes off, once again, Ethan finds himself getting blamed for it. So IMF goes full ghost protocol, meaning that they're now basically off the radar and are cut off completely from support from back home. And it's just Ethan and his small team of people against the world. One could say it's his band of merry men. Yeah. Merry being Paula Patton. Oh. Yeah. See, yeah, nope. see what I did there? Play on no, words. I didn't. I am on it needed freaking to be fire. Explained to me. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> long story short. Long story short. They do it. They save the the. the what was it? San Francisco. I don't remember no, what city he city? was trying to save. No, it to. I don't remember. They were in Mumbai. No, the city they were trying to blow up. I think they were trying to blow up San Francisco, but I don't really remember. Maybe I'll Google it. 
it, it doesn't matter because nothing got blown up except the Kremlin. So let's move into what we thought of the movie. So this is the first Mission Impossible that I have seen, like, ever. This is, I didn't see one originally. through... Originally, yeah. This is the first one that I saw. Realistically, it's the only one that I've seen outside of doing this podcast. And I really enjoyed it the first time. And I enjoyed it the second time, but I didn't like it as much as I remembered. Um, I think it's just because I was really blown away by how good 3 was. And it wasn't quite as good as 3, in my opinion. But I very much enjoyed it. I, my, I think my favorite dynamic was... Uh, Jeremy Renner. I really enjoyed him and I really enjoyed how he and Simon Pegg were able to provide comic relief in such different ways but still be really good at it. So Jeremy Renner was funny while being a badass field agent and Simon Pegg was funny while being a big nerdy techie guy and I thought that the dynamic was really good and they established their characters really well and they provided humor, especially when they were together. I really liked them working together at the end of the movie, near the end of the movie, where they're in India in the rich Playboy's mansion, and Jeremy Renner has to jump onto this spinning fan and be caught by a magnet, and he's not feeling it. And Simon Pegg's like, "He'll be fine, probably." <laughs> it was really funny. That whole dynamic was funny. What I have to say about this is that. Um... I love how this movie is mainly about the team IMF because up until now we really only concentrated on Ethan Hunt and how Ethan Hunt is going to defeat uh, the villain of the the villain of the movie or do whatever he needs to do to get back and to get back on track. Here it's about the team IMF and how they're going to solve the issue at hand, and I love how everything just comes together. Um, <clears throat> for starters, I'm going to say that Paula Patton in this movie is a complete badass. That woman is, that woman just, uh, was just a complete badass all around. She really was. Um, Jeremy Renner, I'll give, I'll give great props to Jeremy Renner. He was great in this. Simon Pegg, he was, he was incredibly good in this. And, um, I love the, I, I love, uh, the cameo by Tom Wilkinson. Who unfortunately he, he uh, his character died early on. Uh, just just as soon as you meet him, he gets killed. <laughs> but no, everything about everything about this movie so far, uh, there's there's not one bad thing I can say about it. Yeah, I don't have much bad to say about it either. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked it better than than three. Um, I just thought the team aspect was better and a little more solid Mm -hmm. because you're right. We do focus. There's a switch from being about Ethan to being about the team that I think really takes place in this movie. And that's really fun to see because you really get to see how they all play off each other. And Tom, Jeremy, Simon, Paula, all of them do really good at at that. Because the show is about the show is about the team. Mm -hmm. The show is about the IMF. Whereas up until this point, Mission Impossible has mainly been about Ethan Hunt. Well, and we and we 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 see the team, but not as much as we see, but not as much as we see Ethan Hunt here. I think everybody here, I think everybody gets the full treatment here. Yeah, they all get to do more. Yeah, they're they're more vital than they were in the others. Yeah, I think my only my only rebuttal of that is. Sure, but in every movie they've had different people. 
Mm-hmm. So why not? And and I get why you would want to give them an opportunity to shine and and do things. But if you know going and maybe you don't know going into it, but I mean it's been established up until now that Ethan's going to be the constant, and then there's going to be a variety of random people <clears throat> that are going to be surrounded him. So sure, obviously the focus was going to be on the main guy who's going to be the constant whenever you have just a bunch of surrounding characters. But in this one, you had more big name people like Simon Pegg is big named and he had a bigger part. Um, Jeremy Renner at this point in time is well known. I think what there's been at least a couple of Avengers movies that have become out and that he's been in it. So people know who he is. So yeah, they ha- and, and Paul Patton is recognizable. So they have to give them more to do. Whereas like the other one you had, Maggie Q, who isn't necessarily well-known. She She's in a lot of TV shows that I seem to watch for some reason, but I don't think the average Joe would find them. Um, Emilio Estevez dies real quick in the first one. Um, John Voight's not in it very often, so like he doesn't have those named people to where you feel like you need to give them that because they're just B-team players. That's, that's only my rebuttal to that. I did not fully understand what you mean. By so that. you guys were talking about the team, and yeah. you got to see more of the team, right? This he's in this movie. He's surrounded by people who are worthy, quote unquote, of having that screen time. Whereas in all of the other movies, they're not. They're just there for the purpose of him having other people to work with. It's not as important to show the team because they're all interchangeable in every single movie. It's just Ethan Hunt. Whereas in this one, Jeremy Renner has got, I learned today, that he's got two movies, one movie left on his contract, so he's in Rogue Nation for a little bit, and he's going to be in another one because he signed that long of a contract. Mm -hmm. Simon Pegg is also in it and has become a famous person by Ghost Protocol. I don't know where his fame level was in Mission Impossible 3, but his fame level in Ghost Protocol is pretty high. He was rising. And so giving them more of that screen time because they're bigger names and because they are assigned to or have been in other movies and are coming back gives them that time to shine. Whereas everybody else except for Ving Rhames is interchangeable. This, I mean, in Mission Impossible 1, you listed quite a few really big names. Yeah, but they were gone within five seconds. Right. They, so they weren't there, so the, but, of but that's course why they needed a chance like to the, shine. The fact that they're a big name doesn't matter because of the fact that they killed them Almost immediately. I think, I think how I feel about this movie is that this is more of a, this is more of a character development. Mission Impossible Three was a good character development because we finally see Ethan Hunt settling down. He's got a wife, and he's get he gets thrust into a situation such as this, and then all of a sudden he's back in he's back in the game. He's still in the game, and really there is a plot here, and it follows it very well. But what I liked was the character development throughout this film. That's why I liked it. I mean, that's 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 why I I set this apart. I I think it's a I I think using I think having focusing on the team is a hell of a lot better is a hell of a lot better than just focusing on Ethan. Yeah, I think I this is all speculation because I can't quote anyone. But I think this that was a conscious effort that was made started with MI three. To bring in these people to keep them around for the foreseeable future so that we could focus on a team. Mm -hmm. So I think that that character development, yeah, is definitely done on purpose starting Mm -hmm. with MI3 so that we can see 
we get because we just get a taste of Simon Pegg in three, yep. and now he's full blown in four, five, and six, as far as we know, for six. Um, and then yes, yeah, same for Renner in, in four and five. I want to point out about Jeremy Renner. Uh-huh. Jeremy Renner was not in the Avengers at this point. This came no, out I don't before think the Avengers. They hadn't made the Avengers. Did it come out before the Avengers? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. This came out in 2011. Avengers came out in 2012. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And that was his first appearance as Hawkeye, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How about that? But, I can't um, remember timelines. Oh, no. He was in He was in Thor. Oh, never mind that. Yeah, he had a cameo as Hawkeye and Thor, so he'd already been cast. Cool. How about that? Uh... I liked that this was written and directed by Brad Bird. Yeah, I did want to talk about that. A guy who's very well known for his work in the animated realm with uh, The Iron Giant and The Incredibles, to name just a couple of his biggest works. And he seems to deal a lot with, uh, well, at least anyway. Giacchino? With with Giacchino. I love Michael Michael Giacchino. I've loved Michael Giacchino ever since he scored the video game Medal of Honor. Yeah, he's a pretty good composer. And yeah, he's a great composer. But um, Brad Bird is an interesting choice for this because Brad Bird, I felt like he's he's sort of I oh I don't know what the term is, but he writes almost his his uh, his writing is almost like oh how should you call it? It's almost science fiction. But not science fiction, if that makes any sense, because he's dealing with superheroes with the Incredibles. He's dealing with spies here, and if you watch the two, they kind of correlate. I mean, there's yeah. I was thinking that there's a uh, d- you could definitely look at this and go, yeah, this guy made the Incredibles. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an Incredibles feel with him scale with Ethan Hunt scaling the Burj Khalifa. Uh, going after somebody in a sandstorm. Um, what else? Oh, what else happens in this movie? I, I'm, <laughs> That's it. That's um, all that happens. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> there's a. Did you know that this was the first live action movie he directed? Yeah. Because I didn't. Mm-hmm. He had done the the Iron Giant, The Incredibles, and Ratatouille at this point. Yep. And then they were like, "Yeah, you should do Mission Impossible 4. I think this is also the first one that he's. The first live action he's done, period. Is that no? Nah, he did Tomorrowland. Oh, he did Tomorrowland, which got sucked. forgotten by most people, I think, because it sucked. That's what I heard. I didn't see it. I did not see it, but that's what I heard. Yeah, I don't know. He's cool. He's he's clearly a got a flair for action. Yeah, between the Incredibles and Ghost Protocol, and especially, and especially within a uh, fantasy and fantasy and. Uh, uh, supernatural. Mm-hmm. Can we let me? Okay, that's a good segue into what I want to talk about because <clears throat> supernatural. There's an element of these movies that are so silly, like so fantastical, so out of the box, so crazy, <clears throat> and I'm fine with it. But there's, and this is a thing that I do. I don't know if anybody else does it, but you present me a reality in a world. And I'm fine with that, and I can I and I can live with it. So the example that I have is at the very beginning, um, Agent Hannaway is the main like he's the the guy from Lost. Josh Holloway, I think, is his name. He is shot right in the beginning, and he's pretty big at this point in time because Lost. 
And so I'm thinking that he's going to be in it, and then bam, 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 a shot. And then I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. But one of the things that he's doing at the beginning of the movie is running, and he, like, jumps off a building, and then at the last second, this inflatable raft backpack goes whoosh, and it saves him at the last minute. Okay, that never happened in real life, but you know what? This is a world that you have presented where crazy things can happen, and I will believe it. Sure. Then, you go to the jail, and Tom uh, Tom Cruise or Ethan Hunt is in the jail. He's got a rock, and he's bouncing it off the window pane like it's a damn bouncy ball yeah. back to himself. And I can't believe that. It's the most ridiculous thing. But in my brain, lost my reality right then and there because it's not possible. You cannot defy the laws of physics when you haven't established a world in you which what? laws I'm of not... physics have been defied. I'm going to go there. I, I can't prove that it wouldn't bounce. I, I mean, think that's that I, not glass, you know, that's, no, that's like much thicker. It would bounce, but like it, okay, if you watched it, he was bouncing it off the window back to himself. Maybe you can get me there. But then at the very end, he did a double bounce where it like bounced off the thing or off the, the pane, bounced off the side and then bounced back to him. And that's where I went, no. So let's talk too much about this scene because I got got more to say. So how do you think they shot it? Do you think it was not real? No, it wasn't real. What do you think was fake? I think you think they CGI'd him throwing a rock. That seems like a waste of money. I think they CGI'd the rock. So he just pretended to throw? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe it for a second. If it's real, then I will eat my own words, obviously. But I do not believe it for a hot second that that's real. I don't know. And. And I can be persuaded to believe that he can create this damn inflatable raft that saves him at the last second. I also had a problem with the hologram hallway. That was a little too much for me. That's no. where the science fiction comes into play. Right. But like it, you got to remember it because you, you said science fiction and then you, you walked back from it a little bit. This movie is science fiction. It's, it's science. And they, and they become that more and more as you go along. I mean, when you incorporate technology that doesn't exist fully, yeah. we're entering the realm of science fiction. Sure, and I'm fine with that. But like that particular setup was just a little too much for me to believe in this reality that they have set up. Like, I can believe a lot of this stuff. You want me to believe that you have adhesive gloves that will magnetize him and he can scale this thing and not die? You know what? Okay, that's fine. I totally believe that. But I don't believe that they can create this massive hologram thing that replicates a hallway in five seconds and where that guy on the other end doesn't notice it. I cannot believe that. What about a contact lens that can that can read off documents yes, and turn them off? Yes, I can believe that. That's that's more ludicrous than the hallway hologram. Not with the technology that they have. I don't know why, but for some reason you, that is more no, believable. I feel to me. like there's not logic connecting here for me. I, I had, there were a couple that I wrote down where it was like, ah. I mean, what you have to understand, this is. It's spy fiction. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, what? It's, you it's have spy No, you yeah. don't say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You gotta be willing to suspend the disbelief for everything. There, but in a reality, like, you have to, I don't know. Because for me, the, the examples just, you're giving aren't, they don't, like, if it was a small thing versus a big thing, I would get it. But you, you're giving me, like, two big things and saying one's believable and one's not, and I can't get on board with that. No, it's just this, uh, and again, this is just me, and I don't know why it happens, but I do this with a lot of movies, but I can I never remember, like, specific examples. These are just ones that I wrote down. And so I can, if you've created a world, and Mission Impossible has, 
then I can go along with a lot of the stuff that you're presenting me. But there are some things that even in this crazy world that you've set up are a little too far beyond this particular world. You haven't gone this over the top. You haven't done this before. You haven't given me a reason to believe that you can do this. And so I struggle to believe that particular thing when I can believe something else completely as big, but not as over the top. I think maybe that's You following this? I'm trying to find... (laughs) So since he hasn't seen them, I I was going to say, maybe he should not watch James Bond movies. (laughs) Like it depends that, on how the world is set up. It it depends on that particular. Like I'm not going to compare a James Bond world to a Mission Impossible world. I am. I have to. Well, that's fine. But like I just mean in the fantastical because because James Bond is in his own world. So if they create this particular thing, then I can believe that mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. But in the in the Mission Impossible world that has been created, mm-hmm. there are some things that they have not established. And I'm going to go back to the rock thing. Like, that to me just defies the laws of physics. Because rocks... Like, he was pretty far away. Like, that's bouncy ball yeah. level stuff. I mean, he and, was, and I don't believe that that can happen. I mean, Maybe he, it can. He but was that's like, just something small that I'm like... Arr. I mean, he was at, like, bed length from the window. So, there you go. But, no, I... I mean, it, yeah, I'm going to go with him. Because, like, when, yes. when it comes to suspension... He pointed at me, P.S., for the audio listeners, which well, is all of them. <laughs> uh, for when it comes to suspension and disbelief, that's what you have to do. And, you know, when it comes to James Bond, when it comes to James Bond... like, And I bring Mission, that up Mission, just because it's the most comparable, I feel like, yeah, like film series. Like, Mission Impossible is, Amer- is the American answer to James Bond. And James Bond, there's just simply more of them. But James Bond also has, uh, James Bond also has uh, Q, right? So there's a whole division there. Yeah, and I'm sure to, I'm sure that IMF, I'm sure that IMF has a Q somewhere. We just don't know who that is. Right. We know someone who can who can execute this, and that's Benji. Right, and that's fine. And like I said, it depends on how they create their world. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of Q. I've not seen any of the James Bond movies, but I'm aware of Q, and I'm aware that he is able to do these weird, ridis- ridis- ridiculous, fantastical things. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. They have established that in this world that he can do these crazy freaking things. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay. I have no problem with that. All right. It just depends on how they set up the world. Okay. I, then I stand that you won't like the James Bonds. The James Bonds. Because if if it comes down to how they create your world, it's fantastical shit happening in a real world. That's fine. And that's what this is. But for me, they just haven't done enough for, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And I know that it's hard to explain. But yeah, for me, they, they just haven't stick fully... Gum. I was like, even that was anything. like I found that was dumb. I, yeah, that, I, well, and I, that I find dumb. them to get consistently less silly as we go along, and no, more it, science fiction based. Right, I would agree. I would so, agree that the silliness is there, and I think maybe that's my problem. Is I found the hologram thing silly, ah, and maybe that's why I struggled with it because to me it wasn't realistic enough. Like they have created this thing where they've okay, maybe this will help make sense. They've created this thing to where. All of their crazy fantastical things are realistic enough despite the fact that they're fantastical. And for me, that big giant hologram thing that they put up in two seconds and mimicked the whole thing in three seconds when the guy was looking at the thing and they were able to push it forward and 
it was able to read where he was at. Like, that's just too much. And it was too unrealistic, even in this world where they've set it up. So for me, it was just a little too silly for it to be believable. And I couldn't do it. Mm. I, I got nothing else. I, I just... I, I don't understand and I don't agree. I mean, the, the only... But that's all we can come I'm, to. There's the, one more that I wrote down, but I can't find it. The only... Th- I'm, I'm sorry. The only thing I'm going to say is is that in the end, what you have to understand, it's, it's, it's espionage. And espionage does some crazy stuff. And... That's also true. I mean, yeah, e- espionage, I mean, they, they will find ways in order to make it... They will find ways in order to make it, like, believable. And with these... Uh, with... Uh, with Mission Impossible and James Bonds, you just you have to put like you have to put like logistics aside and just kind of accept it as as fun because that's what this is. I mean, that's basically what it is. Anyway, you were going to say something. You no, no, no. I was trying to find the the other one. The other one that I had was the magnet suit, but I I'm fine with that. Okay. Like for me, that's another believable thing that they can do. You're fine with that when it also defies physics because he was not hooked up. He was not climbing on a magnetic building. He was attaching magnets to glass. No, that's, that's fine. That's the most ludicrous one. No, that one's fine. So that's fine. <laughs> but a hologram that definitely exists in real life is not fine because they've created because they've shown that they have like crazy gadgets and stuff before no but the the ma- I was talking about the magnetic I, I got a feeling that this I is was, not gonna make sense to I was talking about the magnetic suit that Jeremy Renner was wearing actually what I said is that uh, I'm on, I said I'm on the fence about how I feel about the magnetic suit and the rover thing because that, that too was a little silly but in again for me just for me in this world that they've set up I believe that that Benji's smart enough to create this math problem, he knows magnets. He understands how this is going to work, and and that he can do it. He has the experience. He has the knowledge as to how to do this. Maybe, but he can't do a hologram. But like, for me, I, I, he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. It was just too much. Maybe it's just because I don't know where the hologram came from. I His feel like, brain. But did Benji make it, or did somebody else make it? You have to throw out the masks, all of them. No, the masks are fine because they've established that too. And they showed how they make them in this one. Well, they did the show them how they made them in the last one. Yeah. So, like, it's fine. Okay. All right. Again, you've created a reality, and it's believable, quote-unquote. Because you've you've created a way in which I can believe that this is real. You've broken my brain. <laughs> you're, you're the Andrew of this episode. I understand that it is a Normally weird Normally, Andrew thing. breaks my brain. This time, like, you broke my brain. Because, nor- again, I, and I know this is probably specific to me, but, yeah, if you create a world even if it's a ridiculous the ridiculousness has to still meet the ridiculousness of that world it can't go over the top or I won't believe it okay again the main one was the rock the rock bouncing I guess I could uh, yeah I don't we gotta move on you know my last thing I'll say is I just don't see how these things are over the top but okay it's hard to explain maybe I have to watch it again in order to get what you're talking about no, I think it's just a it's a me thing. I've talked to other people who kind of live in the same thing where like if if a, a universe has created this world there but there's you still have to abide by certain laws of the world unless they have in this world that they've created broken them and shown that they can break them and given a reason as to why to break them. So there's a reality within a reality of unreality. Let let me tell you, okay. 
So let me tell you this about the show whenever it was on. Okay, but is the show canon in this? Because if that's the if if it's not, then it doesn't matter. Kind of. That's kind not of. an answer. Uh, well, it's all based from it. I think it, it counts. Yeah, I okay. mean, it, it has. So let me let, let me let me just explain. I'll this. also say that most people you can explain it. That's fine. Most people have not seen Mission Impossible. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, the show Mission Impossible was, uh, I guess, really big back in the '60s. I don't know, but this is what I keep hearing: is that in order to in order to map out like the plot lines of each and every show, they actually had to perform like all of everything that you see in the show. They had to do that outside of the show to make sure that it was plausible. No, so they had like their own Mythbusters crew. They had their own Mythbusters. There's a name for that, and I can't remember what it's called. Mythbusting. Nah, there's some kind of like movie crews have this thing. I think. Yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the term. If there is a term. Yeah, I think there is one, but I can't think of it either. But yeah, they did that for the Mission Impossible show. So just to throw that in there, that's I mean, right. they, they they did that. Changes nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's here's the, here, like you're trying to convince him. That uh, uh, you got to suspend all disbelief. Mm-hmm. I get that. I am trying to understand why certain things are unbelievable and other things aren't when they're both equally silly to me. So I just believe them all. So we're coming from two different angles and getting nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so Again, I'm aware that it's a weird thing and I don't really fully know how to explain it. But that's that. those were my couple of takeaways of just like those were a little over the top for me. I liked it. I didn't hate it. Like it didn't. I, I didn't hate it. It just took me out of the reality of the movie for a couple of minutes, and then I was back in. Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say that we could move on now to the things that we didn't like, but that covered that pretty much. <laughs> but that was just me. What we, about you two? We didn't didn't like. I didn't dislike anything. It was kind of long, maybe. It could have been shortened a little bit, but otherwise, the performances, the story, the action, all had me going pretty good, so I liked it. Uh, the only thing I'll say that I didn't like was at the very end when he said, Mission Accomplished. But he calls himself out on that. Like, in the in a conversation between... Uh, who's, being Raymond, who's being Raymond's character? Luther. Luther. Between Luther and Ethan. Like, Luther actually makes fun of him for saying that. Which I, I love. So, because I remember when I watched that, I'm like, that's a really corny thing to say. And then Luther turns around and said, man, that's the, that's the corniest thing I've ever said. So, like, I I love that. Uh, but other than that, I really don't have anything bad to say about this movie. Other than it's just, it's a fun movie overall. It's nothing spectacular. It's just a fun movie. I liked that there wasn't a big twist bad guy. That yep. made me happy because in each movie up until now, there had been like this big reveal of an unexpected bad guy all of a sudden. And and again, this is the first one that I had ever seen, but it had been a long time since I've seen it. And I started to question Jeremy Renner at one point in time because he was supposed to be an analyst and then he had all these extra skills. And I just was like, maybe he's working with the Cobalt guy and is, is blah, blah, blah. So I was really happy that that wasn't the case. And that in this one, they didn't have that twist because you set yourself up if you do it too often, kind of like the Saw movies where like they're, 
is just going to be this expected crazy twist that all of a sudden, so people start looking for that. And so if you break that, then it changes it, and you can go either way at that point in time. I mean, anytime you see, anytime you see another big name star, like flags start going up, flags start start raising because you're just like, maybe he's a bad guy in this. Maybe he's a villain here. You never know. So you never know. You never know. I'm excited. We were we had mentioned. I don't think we've like fully had a discussion about. Well, no, I guess we did. Uh, handing things off to people as Tom Cruise is getting older. And the fact that Jeremy Renner is signed to another movie makes me think that perhaps he could be a person that takes over for Ethan Hunt. If and when it gets to that point in time. Well, I know that their age difference isn't that vast. Nah, they're pretty close. But I could see it. Yeah, probably. Um... Depends on, I mean... I've not seen Rogue Nation, but does he have a big part, or is he just kind of in that for a second? He's, he's like Luther he's in, in this one. Okay. He's in it. He's in it. Okay. So, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol came out December sixteenth, two thousand eleven. It debuted at number one at the box office that week with twenty nine million dollars. Other movies in the top ten include Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, which was the sequel starring Robert Downey Jr. RDJ. Um, the girl with the dragon tattoo also came out that week. That's the uh, the one that won't ever load fast enough. Runamari, <laughs> yeah, Rune. Daniel Craig, Runamari yeah. from David Fincher. Um, the <laughs> the Adventures of Tintin came out that week. We bought a zoo. Andrew's favorite thing of all time, War Horse. War Horse debuted at a, a extremely disappointing number seven. <laughs> yeah, which is sad. it's not a. <sighs> It's not a movie that's going to pull in audiences. It's not. it's not, and, and I feel like they should have known that. It it it's not, but you know, it was a it was a Christmas draw. Yeah, and also it came out at the same time as the Adventures of Tintin, both mm-hmm. of which were directed by Spielberg. How about that? How, How about, about that? And who could forget Alvin and the Chipmunks? Chipwrecked. This guy. Yeah, he forgot about it. Nah. So Ghost Protocol went on to make two hundred million dollars. In the United States, that puts it in the U.S. as the uh, second highest grossing one behind Mission Impossible 2. Worldwide, it is the highest grossing Mission Impossible movie with nearly $700 million. And I just co- am fascinated that Mission Impossible 2 is still the leading one. All of these other movies are so much better. According to Ghost Protocol's Wikipedia entry, um, Ghost Protocol is the highest grossing film starring Tom Cruise. Okay. So that's his wait worldwide. How is that? Oh, worldwide. worldwide. Okay. Well, yep. Worldwide. You, you have to understand that, like, don't tell me what I got to understand. <laughs> like, yeah, great. Andrew, explain this to me. Why don't you? Well, tell us more about Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Mission Impossible Two came out in a really slow summer, and this came out right at Christmas, and it it had. I mean, there was some other stuff that was coming out. And it was just kind of a slow season. For which one? You jumped back and forth there. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Mission Impossible 2 had a real... The reason why Mission Impossible 2... Had, now, you don't know this. You don't know that this is the reason. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Yeah. So... Say it that speculating. way. Like it was a fact. You don't know. It was. It is. You were like 75 back then, so I believe you, but like still... Yeah, well, you can eat shit. <sighs> Seemed like a drastic overreaction. Well, whatever. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say so, that. So, 
<laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, you didn't say it on accident. Um, in 2011, <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol came in at number seven at, on the highest grossing movies of the year. A uh, lot of sequels that year. A lot, 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 lot. Ton of yeah. 2018 level ver- of sequels. Starting with number one, the highest grossing film was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which is the final Harry Potter film. Transformers Dark of the Moon, Lord knows which one that is. I think it's the third. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 1. The Hangover Part 2. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Ties. Fast Five, Ghost Protocol. Cars 2. And Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, rounding out number 10, is the only movie in the top 10 that's not a sequel, is Thor. But would soon become one. But would soon become one. Can I? I just, I know this goes against our entire podcast. Yeah, don't go, you can't complain about sequels, that's our, that's our whole thing. I'm not gonna complain about sequels. What I am gonna complain about is the lack of originality. Yes. And... So, <clears throat> Skyscraper this year is the highest grossing original movie of the summer. Um, the next one is The Meg. And The Meg was seen as a surprise because it made so much money. But for me, yeah. I think it just shows... Because both The Meg and Skyscraper, to me, are on equal levels of looking dumb. But, like, exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think that people really, really want original movies to come back because it's just sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. It's just, and I I want the sequels, but I also want something new. You know, I I want people, I want to believe that people want that, but the numbers show they don't. I mean, yeah, they go see the sequels over and over. Because, but, yeah, I mean, but, I, but again, look at the Megan, look at the look at uh, skyscraper. I know that they haven't made as much money as the sequels, but they still made a lot of money. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's just like when you think about, you, you know, I think. But if you look at like the 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 overall of 2018, not just the summer, those movies aren't even close to coming anywhere. That's true. Toward the the looks like to me the highest grossing original movie of this year is A Quiet Place, and it is uh, number eight. Mm. There are seven sequels ahead of it, or yeah. or stuff based on existing property like Black Panther. Yeah. But like, no, uh, I think. I think Marvel's kind of got it down where they stick to three movies per character, which is fine. You know, I think three movies is enough because after a while you're just like, all right, but not for Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible, especially in this one, kind of starts itself over again. I feel like with this one, with this one. Oh, see, I thought it was the last one. Mm hmm. I felt in Mission Impossible 3, they hit a hard reset, mm-hmm. and now we're seeing the fruits of that labor, mm-hmm. because this is a, it's a continuation of 3. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, it's yeah. got multiples of the same characters. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, not really anyone held over from 2. No. Besides Ethan, Ethan and, Luther. and a Luther cameo. He's barely even in 4. So. Yeah. True story. True story. I guess let's get to ranking these suckers. This sucker. This sucker. That's just the one. I'm going to go with... On a scale of bounceable rocks. Oh, we got to do Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it doesn't matter which order, I That's guess. That's true. Uh, three and a half bounceable rocks. Okay. I'll do three and a half. I'm doing four bounceable rocks. Four bounceable rocks. Okay, and the score guess? We'll just keep going in a circle. Uh... Ugh, 76. 
He's thinking really hard. Yeah. He's thinking very hard. Or he's taking a nap. <laughs> or he's trying to remember what he saw earlier whenever he looked, but it's, it's like that midnight hour to where he's kind of hazy and can't remember. Because you cheat. <laughs> That's my new favorite segment. Uh, I'm going to go with 78. 90. 90? Ooh, you're throwing it high up there. 93. Wow. Wow. That's high. Did you look at the score? No, if I looked at the score, my ass would have said 93. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Audience score is 76. 93? That's really high. I'm surprised. It's really good. I don't know what to tell y'all. Y'all wrong. So far. Y'all in the audience could go screw off. Here's something else I've I've noticed. With none of the Mission Impossibles, not a single one of them, have gotten any Oscar nominations. Why? For what? I guess technical stuff. I guess I could see it getting some technical stuff. Nothing. Not a single thing. Well, I know, but what would you nominate it in? For this, I would nominate like... Best popular movie coming soon to an Academy. Uh, Uh, it's gonna would, be Mission Impossible Fallout versus Black Panther. I would put, I would put best sound. I would put best sound effects editing. I would put best editing, and I would probably put, I'd probably put best art direction. So at the 2012 Oscars, hmm. let's see what was up for best editing. Best best sound editing. Best well, best sound editing is one of them. Best editing is one I said. We'll start with we'll start. sound editing because I pulled it up faster. Yeah. Uh, Hugo won that year. Okay. Other nominees include Drive. Oh, yeah. The Growth of Dragon Tattoo, War Horse, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. Get rid of Transformers. Okay. Well, if Transformers is nominated, then yes, this should have been Best nominated. film editing, which is what you said originally. Yeah. It went to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Also nominated The Artist, The Descendants, Hugo, and Moneyball. What were your others? I would get rid of... I'd get rid of the artist. I would get rid of the artist, too. Best sound. Best sound. Sound mixing. Mixing? Yeah. Best sound mixing went to Hugo, which Mm -hmm. is also who won the editing. Also nominated, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Moneyball, Transformers Dark of the Moon, and War Horse. You'd get rid of Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yeah, I'd go with... Moneyball is interesting for sound mixing. Yeah. I don't know. You this is, these are the baseball stuff. These are the uber nerdy whatnot. categories. So, I, this this these are the categories I do pay attention to. I, so. I I'll say based on on what we're seeing here, uh, there's a case I think to nominate this movie. Sure. Several years ago in the past, and mm-hmm. when it came out, I mean, any if Transformers: Dark of the Moon can pull it off, hundred percent. This That's all I got to say about that. So much better. And best art direction. I mean, this was overall a disappointing Oscars year for me anyway. The artist won best picture, and that's one of the ones I disagree sh- with the hardest. It should not have won. No. No. I, I agree. But then again, it, like, its competition was... Honestly, like these movies were great at the time, but I don't feel they hold up. No. What were the nominees? The Descendants. That's a good one. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Never saw that. Hugo. Midnight in Paris. I love that movie. Moneyball. The Tree of Life I and War Horse. Hmm. And The Help. Mm, nope. Oh, I skipped right over it because I saw it extremely loud. And The Help, yeah. Um, uh, those movies don't do much for me. The, I mean, I mean, we, we can get into a whole other discussion about yeah, this. Yeah, that's another show. So That's another show. 
But but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what how I feel, and also uh, best art direction. So, but we don't have to go into that. Nah, we'd we'd already, we'd reach the end of the show anyway. Th- People who are still listening are just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> like we stopped talking about Ghost Protocol when when we ago. when we dropped the Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> so we're pretty much done now. Uh, next week. We will be covering Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. We're very close to the end of this journey. After that is Fallout, and then we're done. We're ready to move on to something new. I feel like it's been weird. Yeah, I feel like it's been forever since we've picked another series, and I'm excited to do it again. Yeah, it was early July. Yeah, when we picked this series, so it's it's going to be into September by the time we finish. Then we went on vacation for a week, and we were gone for a week. We did Ocean's Eight in there between. So yeah, yeah. It's been a long. I'm gonna be. It's gonna be hard to say goodbye to Mission Impossible just because it's part of my family now. <laughs> Spent so much time with it. <laughs> been talking about it week after week. Wait till we get into the like, the Harry Potters or the Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, you say that, but like, the Harry Potter's only two more movies than this. But I feel like... And let's be real, Harry Potter's already a part of your family. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter's been a part of my family since I was like eight, so that ain't nothing. I mean, they're all like two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes or so. But then again, then again, I will say, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. Nope. Yeah, there's only three of those movies, but they're the length of eight. Yes. So there you go. Again, we'll be back next week with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Follow us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and on Instagram so many sequels pod. Leave us your thoughts there. Let us know what you think about the uh, suspension of disbelief in sci-fi movies. Whether or not you uh, agree with that rocks can bounce or the holograms can exist. <laughs> I guess. Uh, or what else do we argue about? I feel like that was mostly it. Yeah. Uh... Or whether or not you think Transformers Dark of the Moon deserve to be nominated for Best Sound Mixing at the 2012 Oscars. <laughs> if you have opinions on that, then our page is the place for you. You can find us on uh, your listening uh, platforms, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating. That helps people find the show and makes us feel good about ourselves. Until then, I want to wear a mask. I never get to wear a mask.